Hi, this is Sarah Tebow. And this is Liz Bernstein, and we are the hosts of the Side Woo Podcast. This is a space to investigate what makes a creative life possible. From the mundane to the sublime, the physical to the metaphysical. Welcome to the Side Woo. Hi, Side Wooers. I hope everyone is having a good week. I am super duper excited to share this week's conversation with Anara George. She is a musician and songwriter who you may know from the band Bird and the Bee. And their first album, which goes by the same name, came out in the early aughts. And it was such a specific moment um, when I first heard about them. My friend Dee, who's like my culture maven, or at least was before she had children, no offense Dee. Um, but you know, she gave me a list of music to listen to and, you know, bird and the bee were definitely like at the top of it. And it was just such a specific moment. I was living in bed in Brooklyn with nine other people in this like commercially zoned warehouse loft. And we had, you know, one bathroom and then there'd often be more than nine people. It'd be like 10 or 11 because, People would have their girlfriend would be over, their sister was staying there. And then I was the only one with a full-time job. So I would get up every morning at like 6 a.m. and leave the house by like 6.45 and take two trains to get into Manhattan where I was working at a boutique investment bank. So it was just like a really weird time. Lots of growing up happening, which isn't maybe what you'd expect living in a loft, but you know, in terms of her music, I just really remember Inara's voice, this like super delicate, super feminine voice paired with these kind of like rougher lyrics. The song that I think she became famous for was, Will You Be My Fucking Boyfriend? And then she has since gone on to perform and write songs for TV and film. She has a song, which I didn't realize until I was researching, but one of our songs is featured in Bridesmaids, which is honestly one of my favorite movies. So I really should have known that. But, you know, all the while juggling the stressors of being a parent and being a performer. And, you know, in our conversation, we talk a lot about getting older and, you know, specifically like in a cis woman's body, you know, and also what it is to get older in our careers and feeling like there's a point where it makes more sense to kind of step away from the spotlight and take on more of like a mentorship role. So that was really unexpected, but exciting topic that we covered. So I hope it gives you a lot of food for thought. As usual, if you enjoy our episode, please feel free to subscribe, rate, review, and share the side woo with your woo woo friends. You can email us at the at gmail.com and follow us along on Instagram at the I will also be publishing a weekly Substack email specifically about each new episode that comes out. In addition to a weekly email on Monday, that's a little bit more general. You know, the title of the Substack is Art Date. So it's kind of thinking about inspiration, but also the challenges that come with juggling too much or being an artist and, you know, the frustrations that happen. So if you're interested in following along with that, you can go to artdate.substack.com, which will be linked in show notes. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy the episode.
preparing, you know, to get set up and everything, a bee flew in through the window and is now stuck in my house. Oh, no. <laughs> but I thought like very appropriate for oh, a bird and the bee. That's true. <laughs> Just have a bird um, in there too. I left my window open. So welcome <laughs> in. But well, thank you so much for doing the interview. I've been a fan of your work since you first came out in 2007. Oh, thank you. And usually we start with talking about what your sign is. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if you're into astrology and know your sign, your sun sign. I do know my sign. I'm a cancer. Oh, cool. Okay. So how does that show up for you? It's funny. I used to really pay attention to astrology, but I found that sometimes I would let it dictate me rather than let it reveal. So I stopped paying attention to it. So I'm, it's not that I'm anti, I just don't even think about it anymore. Oh, okay. Yeah, I get that. So there was a point where you were really deep in it and... I was never deep in it, but I would read the, I'd read my astrology. What is that called? Like a... Like little daily horoscope or whatever. Yeah, a little horoscope. Yeah, the horoscope. And then I was like, ah, you know what? Because it would say like, you're a homebody or this. And I was like, but I, I like doing, I like being away from home, but I also like being home. I don't know. It, I felt, I felt boxed in by it. <laughs> yeah. Cause cancers are like notorious for glomming on to people. I, there's a gif out there, like a meme that two gummy bears have been connected through the middle and they're stuck into one lump of uh-huh. gummy bear. And they're like, this is a cancer trying to be in a relationship. <laughs> But then I've also heard the idea that when you're really solid as a cancer, you can actually go farther because you have this really strong route to home, which I really liked. Yeah. Anyways, I guess like on that note, what's your current spiritual state of mind right now? I did not grow up in any kind of religious home. But my mom always said that she was a spiritual person. I just heard this. I can't remember his name. Rain Wilson said something really interesting. Did you hear this? It's like going around. No, but I remember listening to a couple of his interviews about his more spiritual work that he's doing. Well, and he said that we're not, we're not humans who are spiritual. We're spiritual beings that are having a human experience. Yes. I love that. So, cause, and I thought that was interesting. Like that, oh, that makes sense. Like this idea that we're, you know, that we can claim spirituality, but I think that just even the nature of having a personality is sort of a spiritual miracle, right? Like, why am I the way I am? And why do I feel the things I feel or think or have emotions or like that is so, it's like a, so part of the unexplained part of the world. So Yeah, I thought that was cool. Yeah, like this idea that you step into it, like it's an outfit you're putting on or something. Yeah, like that your body is really just not, it doesn't make a difference. It's really just why is it, what animates my body? Why does this happen? Yeah. And it's, and there's nobody can really explain why, right? I mean, it's a miracle. It's your spiritual being. Have you done any past life work or anything? No, No. I have not, no. Do you do past life work? I have actually. Oh, really? Yeah. I've, um, it's come up in meditations, not necessarily trying. Yeah. Yeah. 
But during the pandemic, I got really deep into these really ritualistic meditations and had these waves of these insane past lifetimes, which were all violent and horrible. But, oh, <laughs> you know, so I was like, but they kind of helped me understand relationships to people in this lifetime that, or maybe I went through something and then they were there in some capacity and it helped me understand a dynamic. So it was helpful. I once had a, a psychic tell me that that I was a prostitute in a past life. Oh, yeah. Me too. <laughs> I think a lot of us were. Like in the Moulin Rouge or something. I think probably. Oh, my God. Me too. Oh, really? I was a can-can dancer. <laughs> That's what he told me too. But not in Paris. I wanted oh. to be in Paris, I think. so. Oh, yeah. I was there. Oh, amazing. According to the psychic, yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Um, did it go well for you? or because I know. I think I died of some sort of sexually transmitted disease. Yeah. Or maybe tuberculosis. I can't remember. Right. Or something. You were like Nicole Kidman in the movie. Yeah, I think so. Oh, that's amazing. Well, I mean, so sometimes I do a little meditation or pull a tarot card before an interview, almost like it's a reading. And the thing that came up for me, and as I started thinking about it, was the Four of Pentacles, which are you into tarot at all? Or I've done it before, but I don't really remember all of the different symbols. Yeah, it's a lot to memorize. Yeah. But it's basically all about keeping control and a desire and a need to maintain control over physical resources and also like a social control to social currency as well as physical resources. And so I was thinking about what we were going to talk about. And I'm wondering, partly as like a woman in the music industry and then a mother, what your journey was like creating space for yourself and like a name for yourself as an artist. And then how that changed when you became a mother. And even now, from what I understand, I'm not a mom, but you know, you still need to carve out space for yourself. It's just like a different playing field. Yeah. It's funny because I wasn't always. There was initially my musical story is a, a reluctant one. Mm -hmm. I didn't, I was not somebody that wanted, I was not interested in a musical career. I went to school for acting. Oh, cool. I did a lot of theater as a kid. And my dad was a musician. And so I think that and he died when I was young. And so there's a lot of pressure around that area. Mm -hmm. But I think I always sort of knew that I'd be better at the music stuff than anything else. Mm -hmm. Like, I think I, I knew that, but I was resisting. I see. And then I even got into a band and like got signed and oh, wow. I was still resisting. And then I think I finally figured out that I really enjoyed it when I started playing music with a friend of mine. And we had a band for a few years, but it was like reluctance. So I feel like from my early 20s until my 30s, I was always sort of reluctant and then found my way more in my 30s and then felt like, oh, okay, this is who I am. And then I had kids and that throws everything. Because I always knew I didn't, I wanted to focus on the kids. I didn't want to be, I think that unless you're in a certain musical echelon to take your kids on the road is well first of all it's like extremely expensive and then second of all it's it doesn't it can't sustain it for long unless you are a gazillionaire right who's going to teach the kids 
stuff too. Yeah. And just like you have to have a full-time nanny mm. and you have to make sure that you have places for them to stay that isn't the kids came on the road with me a couple summers ago on on a bus oh, and it cool. was fun, but it's it's not sustainable for me because I'm I had someone there helping the whole time, but it's it's a lot it's a lot. And also then all of you like I don't know, there's something that's currently happening in our culture in terms of people aging and really wanting to hold on to everything that they were. Mm. And I feel like there's something that's important about change because letting it go because there is there are new people there new as a new generation coming up mm. and it's like did it give them enough space and let go of your it's like you're going to transform and you still are a important asset and you still give back to the world but it's just it has to you have to change just like your body and your mm. face and everything's changing i don't think that we're allowed to age and so in that you want to hold on to what you were. Mm. Are you kind of thinking career-wise and like creatively you're supposed to always be? Or I think everything, it's like on the edge. And I feel like at some point you do have to be a bit of a mm. mentor. You have to relinquish some of that a little. I don't know. I don't. I just don't think that we do that. I think there's this such a desire to stay, oh, I can't think of the word right now. Well, like comfortable, you know, just the discomfort of changing, I think is huge. People just don't feel comfortable having to like change their identity to fit a new stage of life. Yeah. And also the desire to stay relevant. I think that's what I was saying. And then if, and that being relevant so much of the time in our culture is being young. Yeah, right? for sure. We've had rants about Gen Z, which also come with like much love for how radical they are and like all the yeah. good things that they're doing. One of the things too I was thinking about before this was the, um, I don't know if you know David Brooks' Two Mountains Theory, mm -mm. talking about how your first career arc is like the first mountain, which is really driven by achieving and external success. And then you get to the top of that and a lot of people a little bit like age out of it and they find that the achieving through doing the thing that they're good at wasn't fulfilling them anymore. And so they have this drop off where they're no longer excited by like making music or just painting or whatever. And so then they start getting more into like a teaching mentor role, like what you're talking about. And it becomes more about cultivating. I don't know if it's like the next generation, but just cultivating wisdom and relying on what they've learned, maybe beyond the skill that they became successful for. I don't know if you're finding yourself in that position now or. Yeah, I think that's actually a very good description of it. But I guess sometimes I look around and I see that sometimes people don't, they, they, there isn't that pullback that, and I think that's where the culture of youth that like as old as you get, you're supposed to still look like you're 30. Right. It's a little bit of that. Like, I think that's what we're naturally supposed to do is pull back and then reassess and think, oh, well, what is my next journey? It maybe isn't as an extrovert, but more of, yeah. Not like the shining star, but more like the yeah the sun, you know, that supports everything or something. I don't know. Yeah. Or <laughs> even just, you know, it's like sometimes I think of Patti Smith and her ascendance as, as a performer mm. and then she pulled back to have her kids and do her thing and then to sort of come out of it as a writer and more of, I think of her as sort of like this musical shaman 
poetry shaman where she is still performing, but she seems to be knitting different things together and showing up for different, I don't know, it's, it feels like it's a different, it's a different chapter and it seems to kind of encompass all of her gifts rather than just trying to hold on to that one thing that she did before. Yeah. And cataloging the history and the context of what she came out of too. Well, and talk about aging gracefully. I just, every time I see photos of her, I'm very inspired by the way she presents herself. Yeah. I mean, so one thing I've heard on a friend's podcast, Krissa Potter, Bad at Keeping Secrets, was that there's a correlation between wealth disparity and a desire for social currency. And I wonder if there's, I mean, I don't know if you have thoughts on this, but there's a connection between this desire to be at that first mountain level all the time because it's just so scary out there and financially to be marketable, you have to, it's scary to step outside the prescribed career that you're supposed to have, even though I think a lot of people do find success doing the mentorship or whatever, but I think it's scary because it's so financially weird out there. I don't know. Have you found for yourself, like you've been able to make decisions that prioritize your life and your family or like, did you have pushback? Well, I'm in a, I mean, no, I'm in a very, I don't know. It's probably not a unique situation, but I don't have to work because my husband is able to support us. So yeah, I mean, that's an interesting thought. I mean, I don't, I'm sure that's why people do it. I was talking to somebody today just about how like health and wellness and even uh, preserving your youth is such a privileged place. But it is an interesting thing. I'm always interested in the amount of money that women specifically spend to preserve their beauty or youth. Mm -hmm. And it seems like a kind of a hustle, like not a hustle, like a What's the word? A racket or racket. Yeah. I mean, it's always been a racket, right? But it's specifically Mm -hmm. like, oh, well, all these women, they really spend a lot of time and energy and money. And money. What do we have if not money? Yeah. Protect ourselves and then we're giving it over. I mean, and no shade to anyone who does it. No, of course not. It's just, it's something I think about. Just in like the, like I've noticed so many people having nails. It's like a mm-hmm. lot. It's a time commitment. It's a lot of mm-hmm. money. And time. I'm always trying to, the girls, like, maybe before you do the nails, maybe you should try something. Like a, yeah, 401k. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is no shit. I mean, I know people just do whatever they need to do to get through mm-hmm. a day because it's, it can get hard out there. I just, sometimes as a, as an observer, I wonder where it all comes from, like where it stems from, the desire to primp and yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know for me, like I've talked about this on past episode, we had an artist who was part of the Bay Area community who she basically like first mountain had shows at the Hammer and did really well and then dropped out completely and is now an esthetician and is becoming a nurse. And she's focusing more on the queer community and trans people. So yeah. like helping, which that's super cool and advocating for all that. But she also does just women who want to look more youthful. And yeah. my co-host Liz gets some work done occasionally. Yeah. And 
I personally have had bad experiences. I had a couple of surgeries when I was younger. And so I've kind of always been in this boat of how much is okay, you know, and also how much do I owe to younger generations to just look like my age or to look a certain, to just be more natural. Yeah. Thinking about Patti Smith, it's like she makes it okay to look like that and to have wrinkles and, but then it's also okay to do whatever you want. So it's not. Yeah. I mean, it's both things. Yeah. I think it's just that I, it's a fine line because definitely I look at myself in the mirror sometimes. I'm like, who is that? (laughs) But then I wonder what is it about our culture that makes it seem like that's not okay? You know. Have you gotten pushback on that at all as a performer? Ever? No, I mean it's not real pushback. It's more people being really ugly on on social media and stuff. Yeah. I mean people oh, can like be comments. Oh, Jesus, yeah. Oh god. Oh no. Okay. Yeah. I mean it, I mean I've been getting comments about my looks. It's a it's constant. It's since the beginning. Oh, wow. Yeah. Even when I was young. <laughs> right. I mean Do you feel like but has it been was it more positive when you were young or it's just been like gross the whole way through? It's There's positive. I'd say there's more positive. I don't know about my looks. I mean, probably it's equal, but I think there's more positive on the internet than negative, but I'm definitely not very popular. Like I would, I think about if you're Katy Perry, I mean, mm-hmm. you're getting a lot of negative stuff about the mm-hmm. way you look. It's constant. Oh, yeah. And I, yeah, I mean, and it's definitely more for women than it is for men. But, and then there is like a higher expectation for women to be presentable or beautiful, whatever that means. Um, and then. But then I think you can get penalized on the other end for being like too beautiful or too perfect. You can't win. It's not like a even equation of you do the thing and look a certain way. You're going to be safe. Oh, no, you're never safe. You're never. It's never. just you put your neck out there as a woman and you're not going to get away unscathed. No, it's there, there'll be comments about you. And even like when it's positive, sometimes it's disgusting. Yeah. You know? Oh, God. <laughs> so it's not like – I feel like that thing too is to be a woman who is given the genetics of beauty, whatever that is for the time. And there's a lot of really negative stuff that mm-hmm. goes along with that too. I mean – Yeah. I don't know how we got on this. No, it's cool. But it's something I think about a lot. Just what, like talking about that, like our spirits and Mm -hmm. our, and then the sort of sack of flesh that somehow gets mistreated Mm -hmm. all the time by ourselves and people who are looking at us and, and that really like the, whatever's going on inside really is the thing that's the most important. When it comes out, people can carry themselves as if they're beautiful. And then people who you can tell that they don't think that they're beautiful, that translates energetically. And it doesn't at some point even matter what they look like. Although I think that's where it gets hard in photos because it takes away some of that energy that might come through in person. Yeah. So do you read all your comments? I know like Oprah says she never reads her comments anymore. I I mean, I I try not to let it bother me. Sometimes I think they're funny. I don't really – I don't even have – Do you remember some of the doozies or you don't have to say a few? No. (laughs) Don't want to give them a platform. (laughs) (laughs) I don't – I remember like one really nasty one where I felt like a little dangerous where they were Mm. 
they were talking about my outfit and how my the skirt was too short and being really gross. Okay. And then other ones are just like, oh, she's so old or that kind of stuff, whatever it is. So I how, mean, and also, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, no, yeah. I was going to say, like, how do you just move past that? Does that get to you or are you just kind of like, it's been going on so long? It does. I don't think it gets to me. I think it, I think that I always try to put it in perspective, like, they're probably insecure people or mm-hmm. they're who knows they might be writing from the basement of their parents' house and don't have or aren't feeling loved or mm-hmm. whatever the thing is that they need to make comment about other people. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I try to put that spin on it and I don't tend to read it. Also, it, I really haven't had it that much in past years because I really don't, I'm not doing as much as I But literally one comment would ruin my entire week. <laughs> so I think it's so little that it would take to really yeah. make you feel like crap if you let it. But I think you just have to not let it get to you. You have to disassociate a little yeah, because it's not you. It's not an interaction, mm-hmm. a real interaction. It's not um, but it, it's sad, it's sad to me. That's where people go. When it is a reflection, and maybe that's why you're thinking about it so much. It is a reflection of the culture that we're being brought up in, and that these people are living in. So yeah, we have real work to do. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's is it work or is it like a redo? Right, just like hard <laughs> reset, like a reset. <laughs> do we just start over? I mean, it's so many centuries of yes. Yeah. I feel like it It would be hard to. Was that yeah. connected, thinking about your past life as a Moulin Rouge dancer, was that connected <laughs> at all to like being a performer now? Did What was kind of the takeaway? So. Oh, okay. I don't think so. I mean, I don't know. Sometimes I just take that stuff with a grain of salt. I, I don't know. I feel like I have much more of an insight of who I was before than a psychic would. Yeah. But – And also, I don't know if I necessarily believe in direct past lives. Mm. I believe that you might pull things from – I believe in the energy, right, and Mm -hmm. that you plop in. But I don't know if a similar spirit came into my body, like that it carries. Mm. It it feels – like if I'm thinking like – I always think whatever is happening in different dimensions is sort of – imitating something that happens here. Mm-hmm. If you think about just like when something dies and how it is gets absorbed, it feels like oh, to me that seems more – or just like the way that cells behave or mm-hmm. – I don't know. It, it seems like it's more of a collective spirit. Well, I think a lot of past life people too say that it's happening at the same time and time doesn't really exist once you get yeah. – on the other side. So yeah, that's interesting. I like that you compare it to cells because it feels more amorphous than a life begins, a life ends. Well, and if you think that 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 the matter, there's no new matter, it's all just, isn't that? Yeah, isn't I think that so. How you say it? So it's like this idea that we're new people, but I don't know if, but I think it's like all jumbled up. It's mm. just like constantly transforming and changing and but yeah, but I mean, that's how I always thought of it. But I mean, yeah. 
there could be past lives. I guess I'll find out. One I, days. you know, <laughs> one day you will, when it can no longer help you. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's the thing too, is like when you think about, yeah, I mean, we're not long for this world. It's like how much angst we have is really fascinating to me because mm. you're like, oh, but it could be over tomorrow. And yeah, I mean, that was like, I had a friend die when I was like 37. My friend's husband got cancer really young and it totally shook everyone who knew him because we were all like, they did everything right. And it's at that age where you're trying to like build your wealth and have your home and have your kids and whatever. And I was working this job that I hated so much with a burning passion and just I ended up leaving San Francisco for a couple of years to travel shortly after. But I just remember thinking like, oh, they did everything right and it didn't protect them. So why am I trying to fit myself into something that doesn't work anymore? And I think that's everything. Everything is like a box that you tell yourself you have to be in. And so it's what do you feel comfortable in? And back to what you were saying originally, the idea that you have to transform because who you were in your 20s or whatever isn't useful anymore. Yeah. And I mean... Not to say that's easy. No. Because it's really hard to think of yourself in a different way. I mean, and I think going back to like beauty, depending on what you, what that was for you, what that meant to you, because Mm -hmm. especially if you're getting interviewed and they're talking about your looks all the time, like Mm -hmm. what you look like, or I always think that when you're like, when you, it's not as much anymore, but I remember when I was a kid, actresses specifically, they didn't do for actors. They would always tell like what they're wearing like how fresh faced they were, mm-hmm. if they were in makeup or not, and what they ate. Ew. Did you notice like oh, all the interviews? Don't you remember that? Probably, it's yeah. It's like any kind of like Vogue or Vanity Fair. If it was an actress, mm. it was like all those – it would check all those boxes. It was like the formula of how to interview an actress. Oh, and it would always talk about how they ate, what diet they were on or what – Oh, know. yeah. Well, and I was a huge fan of all those fashion magazines because it was this like escapist fantasy. No, I mean, I was too. I was too. But then you realize as you get older – I had to trash them. Crazy. I had to stop completely because I'm like, <laughs> this is so unhealthy. Like one article in particular still haunts me where she was talking about how she couldn't have cheese cubes at a party or something in yeah. that – all of her effort to lose weight would be like holding a balloon underwater. And that metaphor just stuck with me. Like, why is that worth it? Yeah, it's pretty toxic. I feel like now, though, they ask both men and women, like, what are you wearing? And almost yeah. like men, it's not going in the more healthy direction. It's no, like it's forcing men, including men to be more yeah, insecure. Poor yeah. Things. yeah. But you're, but I guess it's so much of your youth is centered around your looks. Right. I don't, I mean, I can't speak for men, but I know for me, I didn't even realize how much of it was until you get older and you're like, oh, when that's gone, you know, that's not like part of my selling point, right? Mm. (laughs) Whatever that is, if it's as a musician or it just as a- Looking at you, I find that hard to believe. You look beautiful. Well, you know what I'm talking about. I do. And it's just that speaks to how messed up it is. And also, I have kids. I'm an almost 50-year-old woman. You're not walking down the street and people are looking at you. Like turning heads. Turning heads. I'm not turning heads. Maybe someone finds me attractive. I'm not saying that's not true. It's just that it's such a piece 
of your value, mm-hmm. yourself, like how you value yourself. And I didn't even understand that until it was sort of leaving. Mm. And I was like, oh God, I put so much into that. And then when it's gone, it's like you have to rearrange how you think about yourself, which is, I think, totally healthy. It's just that. Yeah. How was that for you? Well, it's sort of, it's like painful in a way. For sure. And then, and now that I'm past it, I'm like, oh, it was fine. But I mean, I remember in the moment thinking like, oh, who am I if not that Mm. too? And what was the turning point where you felt like, oh, actually I'm okay? Or is that kind of a daily journey? Because I know for me, like I never identified that way, but being short buys you a little extra time, you know, because people think you're like (laughs) younger than you are or whatever. But for me, it's more just like a daily journey of like, this is not everything you need to accept. All this is changing and it's going to continue and this is the best you're going to (laughs) look for. Well, and also, and then you accept it and you enjoy it because you become more invisible. And isn't that a relief, you know? Because it's not to say, and that's why I sometimes think women that are the supermodel type of looking person, like where they are so beautiful that- It's their livelihood. Yeah. And then when that changes, like what, it must be so shocking because I've always, it's like, you're always trying to heighten the things. I don't know. It's like getting too much into my stupid brain waves. But I think that- yeah, a fascinating thing. And I, but I do, it's like, I prefer this than the other, mm. to be honest. Oh, interesting. It's much more comfortable because I just don't care as much anymore. I don't like, sometimes, some days I'm like, whoa, like that picture, I look not looking great. Oh, no. <laughs> that is allowed. Maybe I should, maybe I should try a little harder. But then there's some days where I'm like, God, what, how nice it is that I'm, this is mm. not something that I don't have to live up to it because I just am not, that's not expected of me anymore. Oh, that's awesome. That's really freeing. And then like just around the house or whatever, do you do any kind of self-love stuff or is it just something that you're too busy to even deal with as a mom? Will you meet like, like, is there any kind of moment in your getting ready or whatever, where you're like, you have to fight your demons or I don't know. Not really. I mean, I definitely don't want to look. I try not to wear sweatpants. I guess that's a. Although they are very much in style. That's right now, true. So. It's very in vogue. I still. It's what is that the Elaine thing where you when you wear sweatpants you've given up. Totally from, given up on life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I guess after the pandemic, that's yeah. We've all given up on uh, yeah. life, so it's okay. <laughs> no, I try to take care of my skin. I'm more focused on and not to be fit, but to be like, not for the physical look of it, but I want to be able to continue to have flexibility and move. So I'm more conscious about staying in shape mm-hmm. and stretching that I think oh, that's cool. maybe more where I'm focused on. Oh, but I'm great. like, I wash my face and I yeah. do all Or that. yeah, I was just thinking too more for me, if I linger too long, I start getting into a spiral about something and So I just have to be like, I'm good enough. Turn away from the bathroom. Like, I don't need to primp. You know, I put like my eyeliner on and then, you know, kind of move on. Move on. Yeah, let's move on. Lizzo, who I love. Love Lizzo. She did 
I know. And she, there was some speech I saw online where I just saw that yesterday. Did you see that? Mm-hmm. I love that. But it was that thing like, it's like always important to make sure that you say to yourself that you're good. At, like, why do we do this? And is it because other people have been telling? I guess that's the point. We do it, I think, because we've been told that's how we're supposed to be, that mm-hmm. we're supposed to always hate ourselves in a way. Yeah. Well, and also we do see, like you said, the market supports that value system right now. You know, I think it's changing, but if you're our age... It's always done that though. Don't you feel like that? Yeah. Like you've seen it for 50, 40 years and it's hard to deprogram that. I think it's just now becoming more open to people who aren't like looking a certain way. I mean, just like in the last five years, I think. So hopefully, yeah, Gen Z, we talked about Gen Z with like their crop tops and like a little bit of belly fat and how growing up that would have been the biggest taboo. Like do not, yeah. I love it. Like bathing suits and not caring, like more power to you. Yeah, no more like obnoxious Cosmo article about getting ready for bathing suit season. But well, on the note of evolution, I was thinking seeing you perform at Zebulon, which is how I reconnected with your music. You had said that it was your first time performing in a couple of years since the pandemic and you were feeling really vulnerable. And I just was really touched by how open and candid you were. And how did that feel? And also, like, how does it feel? I don't know if you're like touring as much as you used to and performing as much. Not at all. Not at all. Like how your voice has evolved and aged. I don't know if that's a thing. Oh, it's for sure a thing. I mean, it's definitely gotten deeper for sure. In some ways, I like it more, and then I miss some things that mm. it's not as there's not as much of an ease to it as there used mm. to be. But I don't know. I mean, I performed one other show. I've performed, but never a full show of my stuff. Mm. So I've performed a little bit here and there, like singing a song here and there. But during it was like right at right after the vaccine came out, I did one show in Topanga at the Theatricum. And that was also a pretty vulnerable show, but it was vulnerable for everybody because it was the first time we'd all gotten together. So I was crying the whole time during the show and I feel like other people were. So that was the last time I played and I got off that, after I got off of the stage, I was like, well, I don't want to do that again. So I didn't really book anything for the longest time because I was just like, I don't know if I like that feeling anymore. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then I- Like too vulnerable. It's just too much. It was too much energy. And I thought, Mm -hmm. well, because it's the pandemic. So then I booked the show at Zebulon because I had sung with Van Dyke Parks there. And so I had done shows. It just wasn't my own stuff. So I was kind of, Mm. I could hide a little. And then so I booked the show, the Zebulon, because they said, oh, you should come back as I'm going to push myself to do it. And then I did the show and it's funny, all this stuff happened where like I had a drummer and then they couldn't do it. And then another mm-hmm. drummer couldn't do it. And, and then my, you know, guitar player couldn't do it. And it was like, it oh, was wow. very, cause that would never have happened pre pandemic. I could count on one hand how many times someone actually canceled right before a show. You would just oh, wow. do it. You wouldn't question. Yeah. Because of pandemic stuff or? No, I would just, and I think this is actually a good thing is that people are more willing to accept 
people's lives, the reality mm. of day-to-day life. Like, I think that's one. Yeah, stepping back. Yeah, like to be able to say, I can't do this. And me mm-hmm. being like, okay, whereas before, I don't think anyone would even make that okay. Don't you feel like that yeah. a little bit? Like, definitely. there's just more understanding of people's actual reality rather than I'm just going to pretend I'm not sick and play the show or pretend. I mean, there's obviously it can get a little hairy if everybody is just pulling out at the last minute, but I'm just more understanding that people have real problems that are happening in real time. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I think, yeah, we're all dealing with a heavier load now and you can feel it in other people and Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and so the, I, to play the show, it did feel, I did feel vulnerable, and there's like a joy to it, and also, it feels like it doesn't feel as easy as it used to feel. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but I feel like my superpower as a performer had has always been to be, to be present and be honest mm-hmm. about what's actually going on with me because I feel oh, like that's cool. That's how I, or it's not even superpower. Maybe it's my trick. <laughs> That's just how I relate to the audience, and I feel like that's how I get through the show and get people on my side, I suppose. So maybe it's actually like one of my flaws, but. (laughs) Oh, I don't think so at all. You definitely got me on your side. I mean, that's a good way of saying it. Winning people over through just like owning whatever's going on. Like if you know that something's maybe not going to go exactly the way you want or whatever, nothing's more charming than just like laughing with the audience about it. Well, I try to do that just to let people know where I am because sometimes whether it's like I'm having a, you know what my son is calling right now. Oh yeah. Let me just, do you want to take it? Yeah. Yeah. Let me just. Oh, he has a sore throat. Bummer. Do you need to go? I do. I have to go pick him up. Yeah. Well, speaking of, like, life gets in the way. I know. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for your time. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. And um, Well, thank you. Thanks so much. It's so nice to talk to you. That's all for this week's episode. Thanks for side-wooing with us. We release episodes every other week on Thursday. You can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Please subscribe, rate, and review our podcast for good karma points. Until we meet again in the woo.